Welcome to RIBA's Road to Recovery podcast series, a chance to peep behind the net curtains of a host of architects' practices across the country to sneak into their lockdown worlds and hear their personal stories of and responses to COVID-19. One of our jobs as leaders is to try and even out the peaks and the trough. Like nearly all architects, we are not in any shape or form trained in business skills. So our leadership style really evolves as needs arise and our thinking evolves. I remember when I wasn't the leader, I was the lead. And so that's very much in the forefront of my mind all the time. In this episode, we discuss leading a resilient business and developing future leaders. Meet Roger Hawkins from Hawkins Brown Architects, Barbara Kautsky from Erect Architecture, and Andy Whiting from Hutt. Roger, what's your approach to leadership? I always used to say that at Hawkins Brown, we led by infection rather than dictation. I had to change that term in the current crisis, but I still think what what we're trying to say by that is that we give everybody a voice. We have an employee council and everybody can say something, whether it's part of the design process or part of just sort of looking how we might manage the business. And I think one of the key things to management is to delegate appropriately and ensure people are being heard. And Barbara, leading through infection or delegation? Well, our business is a lot smaller than Rogers. We are nine people, so this is very much a small firm. And we are leading, I would say, through collaboration. Slightly different word, probably similar meaning. And our approach to leadership is very much to take our team with us and to give them the knowledge that empowers them to take ownership of the business and sort of grow to become co-leaders themselves. And Andy? I think that my approach to leadership is I imagine that we're all leaders a little bit and I lead as I would like to be led really so we try and create an environment where everybody feels like they can it's an environment where you can make mistakes you know you can try things out and we almost encourage experimentation to the extent whereby it's a very level playing field we all participate in design conversations very democratically and equally we have a huge amount of conversations the communication is exceptionally high we have endless design conversations we have five or six places in our 2000 square foot where we can all sit and talk about projects so I think communication is a massive part of and encouraging everybody to participate is a key thing. I imagine that I remember when I wasn't the leader, I was the lead. And so that's very much in the forefront of my mind all the time. Yeah. And Roger, with a larger practice, what is good leadership to you? Well, I agree with what Andy and Barbara are saying. You know, architecture is a very collaborative process. And, and I think good leadership needs to recognise that. I mean, there's design leadership. And I think managing a design process is one thing. And I think that involves giving everyone a voice, as I've said. I think this then strategic leadership of the business that we've learned over the years. We've always had a business plan. We've always monitored our performance against that business plan, you know, and thought quite strategically about certain markets that we might want to move in or certain locations we want to move to. We've opened up a Studio North in Manchester and Studio Scotland in Edinburgh. And that came out of strategic decision making. And more recently in LA. And, and again, that was a plan that we made as a, as a collaborative business. I think another key thing, a part of leadership, and I hope I'm not stealing Andy's lines here, but one of our jobs as leaders is to try and even out the peaks and the trough. And, you know, I think in the good times, we've held money back as a war chest and now times are a bit tougher. You know, we, we have got money in the 
in the business that help carry us through. So I think that, again, is part of strategic leadership. And Barbara, who or what has influenced your leadership style, would you say? I think, obviously, like nearly all architects, we're not in any shape or form trained in business skills. So our leadership style really evolves as needs arise and our thinking evolves and this sort of move away from being, because we're two directors, being sort of this co-leader who feels like all the weight of the world rests on my shoulders has really been triggered by just being too stressed by it and just finding myself in a situation where I just wasn't happy. And that happened well before COVID. So that's not in any way COVID related and coincided with me reading a book that really inspired, which is called Reinventing Organizations by Frederic Laloux. And that is a book that very much talks about an organization being organized around three pillars and self-management is a really key one and purpose is another one. And what he calls wholeness, like everybody being able to bring the full personality with all their interests into the office is the sort of third one. And I thought, well, that's the kind of office I want to work in as a leader, actually, and as an employee as well. So we have since then been moving or trying to move towards that model. Andy, has anything particularly influenced your style? I guess all the people that I've shared thoughts with, so it'd be like teachers and uh, university lecturers and previous employers have all shaped me a bit, but I kind of do all those roles now. So it's kind of like a poacher turned gamekeeper. I now am teacher and university lecturer and employer. And so I think in a smallish practice like Hut where there's 20 people, what is attractive to everybody is knowing that we're all part of it and that, you know, we're one twentieth. We can make a twentieth of the difference, each individual at Hut. And so we're very open. We share everything. We share all of our financial details. We share the good and the bad to an extent. And, and equally, when we get good news, let's have the good news when we really need the good news. And Roger, you talked about ironing out the peaks and the troughs. COVID-19's had its particular challenges. What's it been like leading your practice during this uncertainty? We've had to be very agile as a business, I think. Our business is organised as approximately 10 studios of about 20 or 30 people in each studio run by two or three partners. Partly they are neighbourhoods, people work in neighbourhoods and share resources and ideas. So we've introduced virtual neighbourhoods in a sense by using Teams to keep track of everybody. We've carried out surveys and we've opened up our office now to allow people to come back on a voluntary basis. And it tends to be perhaps the younger people who maybe in a shared accommodation don't really know, they're in a bedsit, don't really know who else they're living with, who perhaps suffered most. And they're people who want to be back perhaps more than just one or two days a week. Management is probably going to be back one or two days a week. The new normal is going to perhaps be some sort of blended working where we encourage a lot more homeworking. We encourage teams communication remotely. And then we perhaps come back to an office wherever that office is located for the creative getting around the table, you know, thinking about designs. What's it been like for you, Barbara? It's been interesting. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like it's been just a real test, hasn't it? I mean, it's not that I would say we have really changed the way we lead or anything like that, but this sort of the additional challenges and changes have really kind of laid bare where things, you know, work well or maybe don't work that well. So that's interesting. And so we have been kind of just trying to avoid panicking and sort of contracting and going back to, okay, we just have to make this decision. This has to be really quick, top down, but sort of just sticking with this collaborative approach and trying to take people along the way and together figure out new working methods and decisions around furloughing and health and safety and all of this tough decisions that had to happen in the last few months. And Andy, is there anything you're going to take back, do you think, from this period of working in lockdown? Yes. 
So we are going to support and encourage people to continue working from home for some of the week. I can't wait to see all my colleagues back in the office. I really, really can't wait to see everybody. I mean, um, I've hated it, frankly. I love all the team that I work with. I love kind of having lunch with them and the chance conversations and all that, which doesn't happen via Zoom. We've made these kind of Slack channels where we just post what we're working on before it's finished which is quite nice. And you can kind of look at somebody's could be a reflected ceiling plan or a sketch of a housing project or whichever it might be. So I think everybody could work from home one or two days a week. It'd be a much more efficient thing. And we, we're definitely going to continue doing that. But I think everybody should come back to the office for a day or two. How we're working at the moment, we have a maximum capacity rotor rather than a minimum. So you're only allowed in Monday, Wednesday or Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, the following week. And we organize it very carefully. We've got loads of places in our studio where we just have a lot of design chats. And if it's just, if I'm chugging through some FIFA posts, I do that at home. If somebody else is chugging through some CAD, they do that at home. We come into the office for design conversations, the role of tracing paper and a pot of tea type of stuff, which is you can't really do that I don't feel remotely we've done it we've done it but it's painstakingly slow and there's something about us all looking at the same screen and drawing on the same piece of paper. I guess another part of that is thinking about preparing the next generation of leaders. Roger what are your thoughts? Well I described our office as having these series of studios every studio's got one or two part ones there and a couple of part twos and so that so that they're experiencing that they're seeing what goes on and learning quickly on through that experience. We have representation from junior members of the team into management so you know we as i say before we try and give everyone a voice we do a lot of research in our business and so we're encouraging people perhaps when they're a couple of years post part three you know to maybe take a bit of a sabbatical and do research and then that research is something that might spark a bit of interest or feedback into the business so we're we're constantly i guess challenging everyone to carry on thinking you know and then the, the management role is something that emerges as barbara's saying you know we're sad Sadly, as architects, not really trained in management skills. I think you know we, we learn to do that by our own experience and perhaps reading around the subject. We do a lot of training in the studio. We have something called Part Four, which is sort of training newly qualified architects into initially project management and or contracts management, and then into perhaps other issues of wider office-based systems. We have a very open and collaborative office, as the others have been describing, and I think people are able to evolve into the type of architect that they want to be. You know. I often describe Hawkins Brown as an umbrella. One of the great things about our profession, I think, it needs a whole range of skills and different people with different skills can plug in at different stages to do what what really motivates and interests them. And Barbara, how have you dealt with mentoring your younger members of staff throughout this COVID period? I think that was probably, I feel, the biggest challenge. And so we are also looking ahead in hiring new young members of our team and how we can make sure that they can embed themselves in the sort of studio identity and studio atmosphere and we have found that that especially the young the young team members who really can't wait to get back to the office and they are the ones who are back in the office now and it's the oldies like um, Susanna and I who are kind of still at home but you know there's this sort of negotiation process going on who is allowed to be in the office at the moment hopefully there's not another lockdown because that does make this kind of embedment and the socializing that little bit harder but we work in sort of buddy teams so every project has a sort of more senior and younger however small because lots of our projects are very very small but we make sure that there's always at least two team members on every project and they're called buddies and they 
they sort of look out for each other. And that is really how the how the very young, the, the year out students kind of grow into this project work. And then it's really down to their ambition. There is really no limit to what they can do if they sort of step up and want to do it. And we encourage that, but try and have the support structures in place too cushion falls. And Andy, there's something around learning by osmosis, if you like. I think it's toughest for if you're at the top or the bottom. I guess we're all at the top. We all own the businesses, basically. And we like interacting with lots of people in the business. And the youngsters want to learn from everybody else in the business. I guess the people in the middle that are embedded in projects, they're least affected by this situation. I mean, we've taken on projects that we might not have taken on before to give them something to do. So we're entering competitions. We're doing speculative research work that we might have done before, but we're definitely doing now, kind of give them a creative outlet. We're very strict about making sure people participate even so even some of the less kind of sociable people we say you have to join the zoom design call you know don't tell us you've got a deadline you've got to participate and i will ask them i'll say so and so what's your view on this and i know if they're just kind of sitting there quietly in the background so we kind of do the same thing in the studio but we now have to do it all virtually and the studio might take on a different role it's maybe not where work is plowed through it's where ideas are reviewed and discussed and nurtured roger hawkins Barbara Kautsky and Andy Whiting thank you all for taking part in this RIBA Road to Recovery podcast